Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. The guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! If you've dreamed of becoming a professional wrestler, it's time to make that dream a reality. The Stride Pro Wrestling Training Academy is now enrolling new students. Classes meet on Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. Be sure to check out the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page at facebook.com slash stridepro-wrestling and get enrolled now. Hey friends, welcome to episode 449 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I am your host, Kevin Huntsberger. Thanks for listening, reviewing hint, hint, and sharing this podcast. Uh, your input is appreciated. And uh, I, I'm going to, you know, let everybody know ahead of time with this podcast episode as well. It's going to be another short episode. I still am not, I don't know, I'm, grief is a weird thing. And I'm, I'm going through a lot of different thoughts, feelings, emotions, you know, when I am, wanting or high, uh, and, and, and really wanting to do something fun and different and new with the podcast time and things and life and whatever gets in the way. And I just, I feel like I'm taking a step back and I have, have been on kind of a roller coaster this, this week actually. And, um, so I decided, you know, over the weekend, I, I had found, a um, one of those memes that uh, it's a Simpsons meme. I'm pretty sure it's Homer Simpson's hand, and he's holding a, open a, a fortune cookie, and uh, it it says, "Make me choose between two tag teams." And I normally post that or those kinds of things on social media, and then just answer them right there directly in the comments. But I thought, you know what? I don't have a podcast for this week, and and I don't or I have don't have an idea for a podcast, I should say. So this might be fun. This might be a, a fun way. And I actually got a lot of responses to it. So we're going to have a little fun with that uh, this week as we look at uh, choosing between two tag teams. And before I even get into all the teams that were thrown out there, and, and when I look at this, when it says make me choose between two tag teams, I'm taking this from the perspective of maybe my favorite tag teams, and I may do a little uh, mystery, not mystery, but a little guest booking, if you will, and, and talk about some of these as actual matchups as well. Um, because in most cases, I would say that my favorite team is also the team that I think would win the matchup uh, in these circumstances. Not And not in all cases. You know, when I do a lot of the Mount Rushmores, and I did uh, a couple weeks ago on an Ask My One Two Three Cents, I was asked to Mount Rushmore my favorite wrestlers. I'm going to do it this week, too, for favorite tag teams. Now, I'm not necessarily saying these are the best tag teams. These are my favorite 
tag teams because I do think that the Road Warriors and the Steiners, um, Harlem Heat, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Hart Foundation, you know, they're among the best tag teams of all time, but they're not on my Mount Rushmore uh, of favorite tag teams. And I'll have a controversial opinion and say I think the Rock and Roll Express, actually a pretty overrated tag team. I know, controversial. I was more of a rockers guy, and again, WWF, I was a bigger WWF fan than I was NWA or WCW, but I liked all of it, and you'll find that in my Mount Rushmore. My number one tag team still to this day, it's some 35, 36 years later, the British Bulldogs. I loved the combination of Davey Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. They came into the WWF in uh, mid-1985. Uh, made a big impact in 86 when they won the tag team titles from the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Um, and, you know, I loved their matches with the Hart Foundation. They did some work with, um, not a whole lot, but with Axe and Smash of Demolition. Would have loved to have seen them wrestle uh, the Brain Busters, but I think their their paths didn't quite cross uh, at the right time as the Bulldogs were not long for the world of the WWF. And I know that uh, they eventually went on to uh, back up to the Stampede area, and then they split them up, and they feuded for a bit. And then David Boy Smith, of course, came back. And, and Dynamite Kid, you know, I know that he had issues and, and whatnot, and, and not a lot of people liked him, I guess, backstage. And uh, But again, when I, when I talk about my favorites, I do it from the perspective of what I saw in the ring, what I knew was going on, and, and not you know, 20 years, 30 years later, reading and hearing stories of, of maybe some of the behavior, because, you know, a lot of wrestlers, uh, or actors or athletes, you know, they're not angels and, and they have their issues and they have their, their faults. And so, uh, but for me, I still, I love the British Bulldogs, the whole Matilda thing. You know, I was all in when, when they feuded with the Islanders after the Islanders kidnapped the Bulldog, um, and I just loved it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely going to say British Bulldogs, my all time favorite tag team followed up by Axe and smash of demolition. And it was at survivor series, 1988 when they turned, or I guess when Mr. Fuji really turned on them and went with the powers of pain, a big mistake by Fuji, but, uh, you know, demolition at that time, the most dominant tag team in, in the WWF, uh, holding the tag team titles for years, you know, beating Tito Santana and Rick Martel at WrestleMania four and holding on to those belts until the summer of 89. Did I say 84? I meant it WrestleMania four in 1988. I don't know if I said 84 now that I'm going back in my memory, but anyway, it was 1988, March of 98. I'm sorry, March of 88 and holding on to them until the summer of 89. That was unheard of back then, I guess, to an extent, at least with the tag team titles. But we did get longer title runs back in that day, but nothing like that for the tag team titles at the time. And seeing them um, lose the titles to uh, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, the Brain Busters. And, you know, the Brain Busters were kind of short for the WWF world as well. And we've heard the stories from Arn and whatnot. I would have liked to have seen that worked out uh, better. And, uh, but uh, Demolition regains the belts only to lose them back 
to uh, this time to Andre the Giant and King Haku, the colossal connection, and then of course Demolition regains for the third time, and at that point I think was uh, kind of unprecedented as well uh, at WrestleMania six in 1990, just to drop them to the Hart Foundation in 1990 at SummerSlam. But uh, Demolition, my number two. Uh, I just liked the duo I have done before a uh, Give Me a Minute or a poll. I think it was a poll topic on uh, were Demolition a ripoff of the Road Warriors of the Legion of Doom. Personally, I do not think so. Um, I know that a lot of people would argue that, but I, I, I think they were different than Hawk and Animal. You know, Hawk and Animal were body guys. They were they were uh, much faster paced and much more, you know, in your face, I think, than Demolition was. Demolition, though, I think, again, <clears throat> I liked the duo and I, I liked them better than the Road Warriors. And I know that's probably a controversial thing to say as well, but um, I just preferred Axe and Smash to Hawk and Animal. I liked Hawk and Animal. I didn't think there was anything wrong with them, but, you know, they weren't my favorites, and and I did enjoy their time in the WWF. I wish that again they would have come probably a little sooner, and we could have seen more with them. With uh, you know maybe the British Bulldogs back in in the late eighties, had they come in, uh, the, I think the the mid to late eighties tag team scene in the WWF and in wrestling in general was much more robust and and much better than it was uh, through the nineties and the 2000s and even today, especially WWF, WWE. Um, but uh, so we've got uh, the British Bulldogs and Demolition in my number one and number two spot. Number three, and, you know, I'm going with the NWA, a classic team from the NWA, the Midnight Express, as a package with Jim Cornette, of course. I, I don't think that uh, that duo, uh, any version of it is is quite the same without Jim Cornette. And I'm personally, you know, and I, and when I first started watching wrestling, it was uh, Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton. They were actually wrestling in world class. Uh, they had come through with Jim Cornette and, you know, they were those uh, heels that I just loved to hate back then. I, I did not like them. Um, but through the years and, and, and when Stan Lane came into this fold, I, you know, I, I, I prefer Stan Lane over uh, Dennis Condry, and I know that that uh, you know some prefer the original, or actually the original original. Um, I believe was was uh, Paul. Oh, what was his name? Uh, I can see him. Randy Rose and uh, Dennis Condry. I think were the original Midnight Express. I think. Um, and then we saw another incarnation of the Midnight Express in the in the late '90s in the Attitude Era with Bart Gunn and. Uh, Bob Holly, if not counting any of that, uh, even though they had Jim Cornette, that was just uh, not a good thing. I, I think anytime you put the word new as an adjective uh, to make something classic or vintage sound updated, it doesn't work. The new rockers, the new, uh, the new Midnight Express, it just doesn't work in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I loved, uh, 
Bobby Eaton, you know, God rest his soul, met him and, and interviewed him for this podcast uh, many years ago uh, at Cape Con and, and was grateful for that opportunity. And I really enjoyed listening to him and, and his stories about teaming up with both Stan and with uh, with Dennis. But I, I just I thought that that duo, I, I liked them and their feuds with, you know, they feuded with the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, of course, the matches they had with with Arn and Tully as well. And that's how they won their first tag team titles. Uh, the Road Warriors, the classic matches with the Road Warriors, um, any incarnation of the Midnight Express. But I, I prefer the incarnation of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lee, and of course, managed by Jim Cornette. My number four spot goes to Edge and Christian. And they didn't really have a, a name as a team, but they were two guys that were put together at the time. We thought they were brothers. They were part of the brood. They were vampires, if you will. But I loved uh, Edge and Christian, especially in the, you know, as, the, as that that combination and, and those characters evolved <clears throat> during the late 90s and, and into the early 2000s before they eventually split them up. But I loved uh, the matches they had with the Hardys and with the Dudleys, um, you know, of, of that, of those three teams and all those matches and stuff. I, I got to give it to Edge and Christian, although I like the Dudleys. I like the Hardys. There was just something about Edge and Christian that I really loved. And I I wish, I really do wish, uh, because there is talk of, of Edge retiring this year. Uh, I wish that there was the opportunity for Edge and Christian to have just one more tag team matchup and, and, and do it one more time. But, uh, you know, I, I, that duo I really, really liked. And, and there's a ton of other tag teams out there that I like and that I love. But, but those are my four that I really, I think, you know, as I, as I sit down and analyze my favorite tag teams, those are the four that I'm going to put on my Mount Rushmore. And again, uh, wrestling opinions and whatnot are subjective and you can always change. And, uh, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, I may have another tag team up there and 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 the hunt but uh, those are my four guys my four teams my eight guys I guess uh, depending on I guess if you throw in Dennis as well into the Midnight Express equation and of course James E. Cornette or Jim Cornette um, those are my teams though uh, that I enjoyed the most so all that being said Let's get to the questions of uh, making me choose between two tag teams. Greg Mahochko, founder of the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network and co-host of Nerd United right here on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network, asked me, Disciples of Apocalypse, and he's got WWF in the parentheses, or Creative Control, which was, of course, WCW. Now, the Disciples of Apocalypse, uh, DOA, was Crush was their leader, so to speak. Uh, but then they also had Brian Lee as well. And I, th- he had a different name. I think he was Chains. And then there was Skull and Eight Ball, who were the, I guess, the disciples of Apocalypse we're getting at here, the Harris twins, Ron and Don Harris, who were also Eli and Jacob Blue back in the mid-90s in the WWF and have kind of bounced around and have been different incarnations in TNA and, and Impact Wrestling. Uh, but they were creative control in WCW. Um, I, you know, by that time, by the time creative control and, and they were in WCW, that was when the, uh, wheels were really off the train, so to speak. And, 
it, WCW was, was basically a shit show. Um, so I'm going to say the disciples of apocalypse, even though I was not a big DOA fan, of course, that all kind of came, that faction came during the, uh, late nineties when everybody, there were tons of factions. It was, uh, the, the nation of domination kind of split when Farouk kicked out, uh, Savio Vega and, and, uh, crush who then formed the DOA, the disciples of apocalypse and, uh, you know, Savio created Los Barricuas, and then the Nation of Domination rebuilt with D'Lo and uh, Mark Henry and Kama Mustafa, who became the Godfather, and of course The Rock, kicking out Ron Simmons or Farouk. But uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with the DOA on that one. Ursula Embrick asks about Demolition versus Legion of Doom. And I talked about that with my Mount Rushmore. Uh, I love Demolition, again. And and I, I, I don't, it was never that I disliked the Legion of Doom. I loved it when they came into the WWF. I can still remember uh, flipping through a, a, an aftermag and re- reading something about them potentially coming to the WWF. And, you know, lo and behold, here they come. They are here. And, uh, I, I was excited uh, and I liked, I wish though, like I said earlier, they would have come in earlier than they actually ended up coming in because uh, I feel like by the time the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom came into the WWF in 1990, Axe and Smash of Demolition, you know, we had Crush already kind of inserted into the mix and so they were not the duo that they were just a couple of years earlier. So I think, uh, you know, bringing, you know, keeping demolition as heels and bringing, uh, the road warriors in, in place of the powers of pain would have been a phenomenal and, and, you know, history would have probably been different, uh, for all of those teams involved. But, uh, as it stands, I, I definitely would say I'm more of a demolition guy than a Legion of Doom. But again, utmost respect for Hawk and Animal. Actually, met Animal a few years uh, prior to his death, and I uh, thought he was a great guy. And uh, you know, I, I again, it's a tag team that you, you know, when I was a kid, who could you know? I can remember them being these ass kickers that the Iron Man music would hit, and here they come, and they look like real life action figures. So. Nothing but mad respect for Axe and Smash. I'm sorry, of well, Axe and Smash, of course, but Hawk and Animal uh, of Road Warrior fame. <clears throat> Tristan McPeak asks the tag team of Axe Albert and B Rad or Will Power and B Rad. Now, uh, these were teams that happened in Stride Pro Wrestling. Um, I, I thought the functionality of Will Power and B-Rad, it was kind of a makeshift team, but these were two guys that were trainees that were kind of cutting their teeth and getting onto their own as, as tag team, uh, or, you know, getting off onto their own as, as wrestlers, but were brought together as a tag team and B-Rad eventually turned on Will Power and turned heel, uh, but they were really, you know, the crowd loved th- those two. Uh, they were, you know, your perennial baby faces, white meat baby faces. But, um, you know, the B-Rad character grew and developed and, and turned on Will. And uh, Will eventually ended up leaving Stride Pro Wrestling. But B-Rad uh, kind of thrived and went on to, um, you know, win the legacy title. He actually beat Heath Hatton for that. And then... Um, he kind of evol- has continued to evolve and is actually wrestling Peyton Ayers 
this Saturday night on July 1st um, for Stride Pro Wrestling for the heavyweight title uh, at an event in uh, at the Sioux Drive Center in Marion, Illinois. So again, check out Stride Pro Wrestling. But along the way, you know, things happened backstage, behind the scenes, and, and we were, uh, you know, in, in need of a, a replacement uh, uh, someone to fill in and team with Axe and, uh, you know, Axe and Roger Mathis were the tag team champions and Roger got hurt and we didn't want to necessarily pull the belts off of, I say we, as if I had any decision-making in any of this, but the, the decision was made that instead we would, we would, uh, um, bring B-Rad in. And I think B-Rad, B-Rad might've been the mystery partner for Axe Allward, I think actually. And then they ended up winning, the tag team titles back from, uh, it was a, a, a holdup situation. Now that I, I, you know what, the stuff that happens most recently, I forget the fastest. It's, it's crazy. But anyway, uh, to answer B-Rad's question or Tristan, AKA B-Rad, uh, to answer his question, I, the acts all work B-Rad pairing. I loved, uh, because B-Rad was kind of this, uh, uh kind of aloof and, uh, acts all work took him under his wing and acts as being, you know, being the, uh, millennial nightmare and B-Rad being a millennial, actually he's, he's a uh, Gen Z, but, uh, you know, kind of bringing him into the fold and giving him his boots and, and making him wrestle like a man and all that good stuff. I, it was great. I loved it. And, uh, I wish that, uh, Axe and B-Rad could have stuck around together as a team longer, but of course Axe turned on B-Rad. So it goes. And, and, uh, so, but yeah, that was a fun time. I thought, uh, with stride pro wrestling. Tyler Adams, a longtime supporter of the show, asks the Road Warriors or the Dudley Boys. And then he also asks about the Headbangers or the Young Bucks. Um, Road Warriors and Dudley Boys, man, that would have been a hell of a match. Um, and for me to pick, oh man, that one is, that's, that may be one of the tougher ones of, of these scenarios that I have been given. Um, man. I love both of these teams, but I'm going to have to go, you know, if, if it were a matchup and, you know, if we were putting both of these teams in their primes against each other, I'd go with the road warriors. Um, again, those ass kicking mid eighties from the AWA and from the NWA, you know, Crockett, uh, the Crockett cup first time Crockett cup tag team winners. They won the first Crockett cup tag team tournament. But the Dudleys so decorated as well, um, and, and again, nothing against either one of these teams. I I just I, I give the slight nod to the Road Warriors, and this and the same as far as my level of liking them. Like if if it were, uh, you know, if if Mount Rushmore had some side mountains on it, uh, those guys would probably be like. Uh, 8A and 8B or something. I mean, I, I like both of those teams. So that was tough. That one was tough to pick. Uh, the Headbangers or the Young Bucks. I, listen, I'm not a huge... I, I don't dislike the Young Bucks. I, I'm not crazy about them. But I do think that they are obviously one of the better teams uh, in wrestling. And I, I think they were definitely better than what the Headbangers were. Not that the Headbangers were bad. Um, I think the Headbangers had a great gimmick. I just never really saw them, though, rising above that mid-level tag team status, even though I know they won the tag team titles at one point. But uh, 
I got to go with the Young Bucks on that one. And again, nothing against Mosh and Thrasher, uh, a great duo. I like them. And uh, I think that uh, I think they're still active and, and doing stuff as well. Brian Barnett, a longtime friend of mine from our days in Alabama, he's been on this podcast as well. The Freebirds or the British Bulldogs? Got to go with the British Bulldogs. Um, talked about it at the top of the show. My Mount Rushmore, of course, the Bulldogs are there. Um, the Freebirds, and especially depends on what incarnation of the Freebirds you're going with. Um, you know, to me, the Freebirds were. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Buddy Jack Roberts, uh, who ran roughshod over the world-class region um, back in the day, feuding with the Von Erics. And then, of course, uh, they went into the UWF and Mid-South area. And eventually, they end up in Crockett. But we lose Buddy Roberts along the way um, from the from the trio Bam Bam, you know, Terry was there for a little bit, but then we see Michael Hayes and uh, Jimmy Garvin start teaming up. And, and you know, Jimmy Garvin had a bit of a relationship with the Freebirds back in those world-class days. And, and even uh, in the AWA, uh, it was Michael Hayes who helped Jimmy Garvin and his partner, Steve Regal, not Lord Steven Regal, but Steve Regal, uh, beat the Road Warriors for the AWA tag team titles. So there's always been that relationship with, with Hayes and Garvin. Uh, I, di- I didn't like them as much, though, as, as a tag team. And I know that they had a lot of success uh, in WCW. Uh, but to me, the British Bulldogs, definitely uh, a favorite there. And, and, as, and also if they were to actually uh, have a matchup. Robbie Thompson asks, The Midnight Express, Dennis and Stan, who made the better version with Bobby? Also talked about that a little bit earlier. Again, got to go with Stan, although I think Dennis and Bobby were a great team. The thing about the the um, Midnight Express, they didn't look like your, you know, they they weren't like the Road Warriors, and they weren't like Demolition, and they weren't like the British Bulldogs. Um, you know, they were Matt, you know, they got in there and they wrestled and, um, that's what I enjoyed about them. And I, and I, again, having Jim Cornette as that mouthpiece, it just, it just made, uh, made it all work. I thought Adam Hackbarth asks about the new breed. That was, um, if I remember correctly, that was Todd champion and, uh, or Chris champion, and I forget the guy that he teamed with, uh, but he asks about them or, and I'm going to Google this while I'm thinking about it, uh, or the Dancing Fools. That was Disco Inferno and Alex Wright, which I I did not even remember uh, that tag team happening. I had to actually Google that. Um, and once I Googled it, I did remember then um, them teaming up and, and being a team. But uh, Chris Champion and Sean Royal were the new breed. Kind of a if you didn't if you aren't watching wrestling back in the eighties they were kind of a futuristic tag team that were supposed to be coming to us from the year two thousand two, uh, which is funny now that that was twenty one years ago but um, they never really caught on I think they they were involved in a car accident at one point and uh, I think it was Sean Royal got pretty banged up in it and I think they kind of fell off after that because I don't think they ever were quite the same. Um, had some moderate success, uh, but 
you know, the Dancing Fools, I thought was, was kind of a, a, you know, again, I think this is when WCW is in that shit show mode. Um, so I'll go with, with, uh, the new breed again, the established tag team versus two guys that were kind of singles that were put together, uh, to end up wrestling each other. Friend of the show and a supporter of the brand, uh, Jason Skull asks about the Midnight Express or the Heart Foundation. And man, I thought the, uh, I thought the match between the Road Warriors and the uh, Dudley Boys was tough. The Heart Foundation versus the Midnight Express. Woof. That's a tough one. That is a tough one to call because the Heart Foundation probably uh, uh, amongst, you know, they didn't make the Mount Rushmore, but they're up there too. They're they're very close. And I think a tag team match between those two teams, especially if you went heel hearts, you know, Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart with Jimmy Hart in their corner against Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane, and Jim Cornette in their corner. Man, that would be such an amazing matchup. That would have been a great match. But I think for it to really, truly work, it probably would have been better to have the Hart Foundation once they had fired Jimmy Hart, which I think they were just as good with Jimmy Hart as they were without Jimmy Hart, uh, winning the tag team titles with him and without him. Um, So great matchup, uh, but I'm going to give the edge, very slight edge, to the Midnight Express. And of course, Jim Cornette's interference is going to come into play uh, if I were, you know, the one that was putting that matchup together. Hunter Woodworth asks about the Midnight Express or the Baby Oil Express. And of course, the Baby Oil Express, for those who don't remember or don't know, four years ago this summer, Tyler, Heath Hatton, and I uh, started teaming up and we actually won the stride pro wrestling tag team titles and kind of as a, because we didn't have a name or anything like that. We won the titles and and held them for a couple of months. And and actually, you know, I wrestled more matches in that little span of time than I had, you know, ever. Um, and it was such a fun, amazing time. I'm so again, grateful and thankful to Tyler for, you know, putting me in there, but also to Jay Spade and, and Tony Flood for for getting in there and working with a guy who was greener than goose poop and, and you know, could not work a lick. Um, it was just, again, a fun, amazing time. Um, I was, the night that we won the tag team titles, you know, my parents came down. I had our friend group, you know, is pretty big. They, many of them came, Chad came in from Los Angeles. It was such a fun night. And I didn't tell anybody that we were winning. Everybody thought that we were going to get, you know, maybe we'd win by disqualification or we'd end up getting beat. Um, because who in the hell is going to put the tag team titles, uh, on a ring announcer. But uh, again, Tyler had that, that faith and, and the fans loved it or seemingly loved it. And I'm so grateful for that, you know, not only for Tony and Jay and for Tyler, but also for the fans who accepted it and cheered and came out and continued to support Stride Pro Wrestling. Now, of course, I would never put myself in any kind of match with any anybody beyond, um, you know, uh, I'll say that Jim Cornette, uh, again, interferes in, in this matchup and cost uh, Tyler and I the match. And, and you know what, I would I would even eat the pinfall uh, in, in that one. Uh, 
Chad. I'm going to wrap things up with Chad because uh, he's got several and he's got some silly ones in here too. So uh, he goes rockers or new rockers, which again, I went through my whole new spiel a few minutes ago with with all of that. Um, I love Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. I think that they uh, probably, you know, if, if I'm doing top 10 tag teams, they're going to definitely be in my top 10, um, for sure. I, I liked the rockers. I liked the midnight rockers when they were in the AWA. Um, and I was really legitimately bummed when they split the rockers up in 1992, but who would have thought the trajectory and the, the, the ride that Shawn Michaels would end up having. It's amazing. And, you know, so happy to, to see that for him. Uh, so obviously, you know, I, I picked the Rockers over the new Rockers. Same thing with the Midnight Express and the new Midnight Express. I talked about that a few minutes ago. So, of course, we're going, you know, Dennis, Stan, and Bobby versus uh, Bombastic Bart and or uh, Bob Holly. Briscoe Brothers or Briscoe Brothers, of course, Jack and Jerry Briscoe versus Jay and Mark Briscoe. I, you know, I, I haven't seen, I hadn't seen a lot of either one of these teams. I have obviously seen more of, of the modern day Briscoe Brothers, the ROH Briscoe Brothers, we'll call them, um, in, in the last several years and, and, uh, again, I think that they're one of those underrated tag teams. I think that had they had a shot, uh, in the WWE, um, years ago, uh, you know, you, you wonder what kind of trajectory they would have gone on or if they would have been, uh, limited, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, some of these indie guys go to the WWE and you wonder, you know, they get kind of, neutered a little bit or they get altered and it's like are they going to be the same are they going to be as good as or will they be better than um you know give it, getting that chance and i think Sami Zayn, kevin owens for example those are two guys that were big on the indie scene and they now thrive and they, they continue to thrive in wwe um would the Briscoe brothers have been in that same category i i would tend to think that they would and imagine the ma- matches they would have had against the Usos, or if they would have come in uh, at a time where they could have wrestled the Hardys. And I know, I think that they have wrestled the Hardys, but, um, you know, and, and again, I think maybe the death of Mark Briscoe, uh, plays a role a little bit in, in, in the nostalgia and whatnot, but I have a greater appreciation for the Briscoe, ROH Briscoes, um, than I did before. And I think that, you know, we missed out. Uh, we being fans that don't necessarily watch all the indie wrestling and watch Ring of Honor religiously like others do, uh, we did miss out on uh, some great matches. Uh, I know that they had some great matches with FTR, the dog collar match. I think that might have been their last tag team match, uh, you know, the Briscoe brothers. Um, so I think, you know, their last year's Crockett Cup champions as well. So I just saw a little bit of Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Actually, the first house show, the first WWF show I ever went to, Jack and Jerry Briscoe were on that card and wrestled Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch uh, and lost. Um, So by the time I started watching wrestling, they were kind of in that transition phase where they were now putting over talent. They were not winning 
big matches. So I, I am going with the uh, Briscoe with an E or the Ring of Honor Briscoe Brothers. And finally, he asked, Chad, that is, asks Pretty Deadly or the Baby Oil. He says, buddies, it's the Baby Oil Express, but uh, we, we forgive you, Chad. Um, for those who don't know, Pretty Deadly, NXT tag team of Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. And they recently came up uh, and were drafted. They were on NXT, but recently got drafted um, and are part of SmackDown. And honestly, haven't seen a whole lot of them. I think they were part of uh, NXT UK as well. But, uh, you know, these guys have a a unique look. I think that they have the potential uh, to become those characters and and those wrestlers that, uh, you know, we're going to love to hate as well. Uh, But, yeah. Tyler and I would kick their asses. So, um, uh, definitely the baby oil express on that one. And, and maybe, you know, maybe Tyler and I, uh, in a perfect world, we could have picked up a manager and, uh, you know, been a little more vicious, but I'm that perennial baby face. I'm, I'm, you know, a big wimp, but you know, my alter ego, I'm this, uh, ripped buff badass wrestling machine that kicks ass and goes in there and 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 beats everybody up so uh that's that's the baby oil express that i am booking for this matchup against pretty deadly so um, i had fun with this i hope that you all did as well i do want to answer one more question um ken johnson who has been uh very supportive of the brand since day one as well uh and has recently started engaging more with the podcast and is having more of an opportunity to listen and, and weigh in and has asked the question about title changes at house shows. You know, when I was a kid, I, I went to, like I said, a, a bunch of house shows and I saw Hulk Hogan defend the title. I saw Ric Flair defend the NWA title. Uh, of course, several tag team and intercontinental title matches, United States title matches, uh, but never really at a house show ever saw any of those titles change hands. But that is not the case. Titles have changed hands at house shows. And, you know, there are some websites that that chronicle and highlight a lot of them. One that immediately came to mind when Ken asked the question was, uh, this happened in St. Louis, and it was in 1993. Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase, and IRS lost the WWF tag team titles to the Steiner brothers. They had kind of traded off the the belts. Uh, The Steiners won them at a a TV taping um, in June of 93, and a couple of days later, they lost the titles back to Money, Inc. in Rockford, Illinois. And then a couple of days after that, Money, Inc. loses the titles back to the Steiners. And then the Steiners held on to them at a house show in St. Louis, Missouri. So I was not at that particular house show um, that summer. I I was in St. Louis. I was back from college, but uh, I did not go to that particular event. I know that Sting either won or lost, or maybe both, uh, the WCW heavyweight title to or from Big Van Vader at a house show in 1992. And, you know, in the early 90s, wrestling was kind of losing a bit of its luster. 
And I think that they were starting to, and, and Bruce Pritchard has talked about this on his podcast, and Eric Bischoff, I believe, has mentioned it on his podcast too. You know, switching the title at a house show is something that's unexpected. So they were doing it to kind of drive up business, to get fans interested. You know, if they tune in and watch on Saturday or Sunday and, and they come on talking about, you know, last week at, uh, at this event, at, uh, you know, there were no cameras around, but it was in, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, Money Inc. lost the tag team titles. They're hoping then that you're going to start fans around the country are going to be like, well, you know, these house shows, anything can happen. And I believe that's, you know, the phrase, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation became kind of a mantra there for a bit. So, uh, so Ken, yes, titles have changed. Um, I believe, actually, I, I think there were cameras there, but I believe the original intent was Bret Hart's title win over Ric Flair in Saskatchewan was a house show. It was not a, it was not set up. I think it was maybe set up for a, uh, Coliseum home video release, but it was not, you know, your traditional, it wasn't a raw or SmackDown or a TV show per se, not even superstars. Um, so definitely, uh, and, and again, I, I think this all really started going down in the early nineties when wrestling got a little stagnant and a little stale and they were doing things to kind of spice up house show business. And I think that we're going to see that and continue to see that. And I'm, I'm sure there have been modern day uh, instances where championships have changed hands as well. Edge, for example, beat Jeff Jarrett in 1999 for his first Intercontinental title win. And Edge was pretty new to the business. I had forgotten that it even happened. Uh, I don't think they really glorified it very much. Uh, Jarrett quickly won the belt back. But uh, yeah, so it definitely happens. And, uh, you know, Gives you a reason to go to a house show, which WWE, by the way, coming to Cape Girardeau, Missouri at the end of August. And I know it's not, they're not called house shows anymore. Uh, live events, I think, is is the phrase WWE uses and house rules for AEW. So check out uh, both those companies. And again, check out Stride Pro Wrestling and Indie Wrestling in general uh, in your area. Friends, thank you so much for being a part of this week's episode. I appreciate everyone who weighed in and gave me teams to choose from. Check out that My123Cents Facebook group. I want that to be an interactive place where we can go and talk and you can post things and we have conversations and and get ideas to do podcasts and, and other things as well. So uh, have a great rest of the week coming up. And remember, July, big things coming for the My One Two Three Cents Action Figure Drive. A partner has been found, and I'll be talking more about that on next week's episode and of course on all the my one two three cents social media so again friends thank you so much for listening have a great week and we will talk again soon this is a production of the jittery monkey podcast network for more jittery shenanigans go to jitterymonkey.com. monkey.com